Discipleship is key to us following Jesus well. Jesus showed us a whole new way to live when he was here on earth, and then as he left, he told his followers to go and make disciples, teach them the things that I've taught you, help them live the way that I've taught you to live. And that's what our life is with Jesus. As we're learning and as we're growing with him, then we take others alongside of us and help them to do the same, to live more like Jesus. And this is discipleship. So how do we do this at NCC? Well, the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about how in our community of New Community Church, we are going to be discipling others. How do we do it? Why do we do it? What does the Bible say about discipleship? You're listening to the New Community Church Podcast, and I'm Pastor Caleb. This is the first week of our series, Multiply, talking about how and why we do discipleship at NTC. Good morning, church. I hope you're having a great Sunday morning, and it's good to see each of you. And if you're our guest, maybe this is your first time here at NCC, we want to welcome you. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're glad that you're with us. I would love the opportunity to get to know you, and there's a simple way that you can connect with us by taking out your phone and texting that number right there on the screen, and it'll ask you for your name and give you a few prompts. And We would love the opportunity to hear a little bit more of your story and how we can help you grow here at NCC. And also today, um, after our 930 service here, we're going to be having our Connect Lunch. And so it'll be right here in the cafe area, the coffee area. And we have a free lunch. We have childcare lunch for your kids. It's just about 30 or 45 minutes. And we want to share a little bit about how you can connect at NCC and then also hear a little bit more of your story. And so if you've never been to a Connect Lunch, we want to invite you, come and join with us. We would be happy to host you today and get to know a little bit more about you. And today we are kicking off our brand new series called Multiply. And if you've been around NCC for a little bit, you could subtitle this the sequel, okay? Because this is how we started this year, 2020, with this series called Multiply. And we're continuing this conversation where we're going to take the next four weeks and look at what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? What does it mean to make a disciple? And we said that um, God had given us and he's given us a five-year vision that by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. And he's given us this passion that we would reflect Christ and we would be able to walk alongside others and help them to reflect Christ. And so that's what we're gonna look at. In Matthew chapter four, verse 19, Jesus speaks these simple words, follow me, come and follow me. And then he goes on and I will make you fishers of men. And those two words, they had so much there. There was so much packed into them. And really that's what we're gonna look at over the next four weeks. What did those two words mean to the disciples? What did they live out? What did Christ live out in front of them? Follow me as they were walking with Christ. And so I wanna ask you to do something very simple this morning. If you have a smartphone or a tablet um, to take that out, if you've not already done this, to download the NCC app, okay? So I have this on my phone and I wanna encourage each of you to do this. And once you have the app, you can go to the bottom. If you don't have it, just go to newcommunity.co slash download, click more and you're gonna see sermon notes there. 
So click on that notes, you'll see the notes for today. Once you're in that, it has all of the scripture verses, it has the points that we're gonna be talking through, and then there's blank spots there. So this is my prayer, that as I'm talking today, you don't just hear my voice, but you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And maybe God challenges you in a new way or he drops something in your heart. And so you can take a moment and just feel that down. God, this is what I feel like you said to me. This is how you challenged me. And so I want to encourage you to do that right there in that notes app. You can follow along with us um, and have those verses in that po- those points there. Those simple words. Jesus wasn't looking at the disciples saying, hey, I'm going to lead you in this prayer and this is going to change your life. Hey, I'm going to just invite you to church with me. Come to the synagogue, and this is going to make all the difference. No, he invites them, follow me, and I'm going to lead you into this relationship. I'm going to walk this out in front of you. And so today, week one, as we look at what those two words mean, we're looking at this idea right here. We live with a radical abandonment for his glory. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? It means we live with a radical abandonment for his glory. That's what it looks like to be a disciple. Now, before six years ago, I I came to be the pastor here at NCC. I was a staff pastor at a different church in the South Dallas area. It was about 20 minutes south of downtown Dallas. Um, And I started off as a young adult pastor. So my job was helping young adults in college and in that career age continue to grow in their relationship with Jesus. As part of building that community, we would do adventures. I've shared some of those on Sunday mornings before. One of the adventures that we took, it was a one-day adventure. We went skydiving. Don't know if you've ever done this, okay? But I decided, hey, this will be a good thing to do with young adults, um, and we're going to do this together, and this will build community with us. And so we took a group of young adults. We were going to go skydiving. And so I, I don't know if you've been, but we got to the thing, and they scare you at first with all this paperwork. You sign things that say, I realize I could die today. I realize I will not sue you if I am physically harmed and jumping out of an airplane at these massive heights. Like, so you're filling all of this out, and then they take you through a few-hour class where they show you what could go wrong jumping out of a plane, all of the bad things that could happen. And they teach you like the proper techniques, and we get through all of that, and we suit up, and they take the first group of, of us up, and I'm there with um, my really good friend Adam and an intern that was with us, Abby, and they're looking at me, and I was going to go first, and they're like, are you scared? And I was like, I'm really not, because we were doing tandem jumps which meant we jump with a professional skydiver. And I'm like, I'm assuming this guy doesn't want to die, that he actually wants to live through today. So all I have to do is trust this guy with my life. He wants to make it down safely. I want to make it down safely. We're partnered up. Great. This is going to work out good. And so we get to that moment and then the fear sets in. I don't know if you've done something like this, but the thought of I'm getting ready to jump out of this plane with just fabric strapped to my back, okay? And that realization hits. And so I just start telling myself, all you gotta do is get out of the plane, man. That's it. If you can just get out of the plane, everything else is gonna work, just get out of the plane. And so I do it right up to the edge and I take that jump out of the plane and thankfully everything works. For about 60 seconds, I'm flying through the air at 70 miles an hour and then he pulls the chute and then about three or four minutes till we float down to the ground and then he sticks the landing and I have to kind of run with him but we make it safely down. And that feeling of, yes, we actually survived that. And I have to imagine that's somewhat of what the disciples are getting into and what Jesus is calling us to. You just gotta take the jump out of the plane, you guys. And 
and you're trusting the person that you're connected with is going to get you through this and that you're going to make it okay to the end of this because they know what they're doing. Even though I had no idea of what it was like to skydive, this guy had done it so many more times. And that's what the disciples are doing. Jesus just says, follow me. They don't know what this is going to look like. They don't know everything it entails. They can't explain the next few years of their life, but they're trusting the person I'm connected with. He knows what he's doing. And so I'm trusting him and I'm going to follow his lead and what he tells me to do. And we're going to make it through this together. And that's kind of where the disciples were at. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. And so it's this idea of as a follower of Christ, you have been called to live with a radical abandonment for his glory. So what does that mean? And what does that look like? Well, the first thing is Jesus has called us. When he calls us to follow him, it means we abandon sin and comfort. We abandon sin and comfort in our life. That is what the call, follow me, that's what it means to live with radical abandonment. We abandon sin and comfort in our life. And this is no easy task. This is not something that's done easily in our life because this thing is in our DNA. It's like deep inside of us. And you go back through our ancestors all the way through Adam and Eve when they looked at God and they said, God, we're going to do it our own way. We think you're holding out on us. We know better than you. And they invited sin into the world. And then they passed that down from generation to generation. And we so many times live in that same way. God, I think I have this figured out. God, I think I know better than you. God, I think I can do this my way. And so I'm going to take over control of this. I'm going to live this way. And Jesus, in those two simple words, follow me. He said, I'm asking you to abandon that. I'm asking you to leave that behind, not to live your own way, but to follow after me, to follow my direction, to follow my guidance, to follow what it is that I'm asking you to do. That means we repent from sin. It means that we're changing old mindsets, the old way that you used to live, things that you used to participate in. You're changing that lifestyle and you're saying, hey, I'm turning my back on that and I'm walking in a new way. I'm abandoning that old lifestyle and now I'm walking in the way that Christ has called me to. And that's why Jesus in Luke 14, says this, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. That sin that you're thinking no one knows about, it's okay if I hold on to it. Jesus is saying, no, I'm asking you to give that up. That mindset that you have, that that pattern of thinking that you keep going back to, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm asking you to give that. You've got to abandon that. You've got to walk away from that, that desire to just be comfortable. You have to walk away from that. Peter, one of those 12 young men that followed Jesus for all of those years in his ministry, stands up in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when these thousands of people are saying, hey, what are we supposed to do? What does our life look like? He says this, repent and be baptized. You have to turn from the way that you were living And you now have to live a new way. You're abandoning your old lifestyle, your old mindset, and now you're following after Jesus. This is what he's called us to. This is what it looks like. And so that means I'm not just living my life because it feels good to me. I'm not just living thinking, okay, what can I do that makes me happy or brings me pleasure? That's not how I'm called to live anymore. I've abandoned that, and now I'm living in a new way. And this is the difficulty of this is so many of us, we come to church because we think, well, my life is okay and Jesus will make it better. 
Or we think, hey, I want my kids to grow up and I want them to be really good people. And so, although I don't really enjoy it that much, I'm going to bring my kids to church. My job's okay, but God will make it better. My money's okay, but God will make it better. And that's how we tend to live our life of, well, if I follow after Jesus, then I'll be a better person and I'll get better stuff. And I think that's absolutely true. I just think God's idea of better is vastly different from ours. Because we've been called to abandon some things. And we've been called to give up this idea that my life is simply lived to make me happy. And so I stopped doing this church. I stopped coming to him and saying, Jesus, I'll add you to my job. I'll add you to my money. I'll add you to my lifestyle. And Jesus, you'll come and you'll make everything a little bit better. And this will all work out okay. And instead I come and I say, Jesus, I abandon everything. And now you're number one in my life. And now what do you want from me? And now what do I need to leave behind? What kind of lifestyle do I need to say no to? Because now I'm walking differently and I'm following after you because that's what you've called me to do. So adults, what does this look like? It means you go into your workplace or you're hanging out with family members and they start to talk about someone else. They're gossiping, they're belittling someone else. They're making sexual jokes that you're not comfortable with and you walk away, why? Because that's no longer who you are, you've abandoned that. Students, it means you're at school and it may be a virtual classroom or a real classroom or you're hanging out with friends or you're at your job and all of a sudden they're inviting you to do things which is someone who you were but you no longer are and you walk away and say no, why? Because you've abandoned that. You're now following after Jesus and that's not who you are anymore. He's invited you into something new and now you're living with a radical abandonment. God, who I was is no longer who I am because now I'm following after you. This is what it means. This is what Christ is calling us to. And so we abandon sin and comfort. Here's the other thing. We abandon our dreams and loves. And I'm gonna say some pretty difficult things here. And so this is not the time to kind of zone in and out because you may miss something important here. There's a list of things that we see in the disciples' life that I believe we need to understand of what's going on here. The first thing is when Jesus comes to them, they abandon their career. Have you thought about that? They're in the middle. It's not like fishing was their hobby for a few of those guys. This was their occupation. It's job time. It's work time. They're mending their nets. They're taking care of their boats. Jesus comes up to the lake and he says, follow me. And they leave those things behind. Matthew is at the tax collector's booth, okay? This is IRS back in the day, okay? The Roman government, it's nine to five job time. And Jesus says, follow me. And he leaves that behind and he goes and he follows them. They surrendered their careers. And this isn't just like, hey, they're just kind of starting off. There was probably position that they had. There was status that they had in their community. Like Matthew was probably getting paid pretty well because he worked for the bosses, the Roman government. So he's got a pretty good income coming in, getting tax stuff. And yet he walks away from that because he says, God, I'm no longer pursuing my own dreams. I'm following you now. They left their careers. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and then starts to look back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He's saying you can't do that. You can't live like that anymore. You've abandoned some of those things and now you're walking differently. Listen to this. They abandoned their families. 
In Luke chapter four, verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, sisters, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, honesty moment, I told Jesus, I'm not gonna read this verse because that's just weird. Like, how do I stand up in front of the church and say something like that? Like, what is going on? So I think we need to understand what's taking place in this verse and not just kind of like brush over it really easily. What Jesus is saying is he's making a comparison. And he said, when you look at the loves in your life, who's first? Who's first there? What have you put as a priority? Like your marriage is number one, your kid's happiness is number one, maybe extended family members, you're living to please them. He said, that's not how, who you are anymore. That's not how you, you've abandoned those things. Now, when you read through the gospels and we need to do this and you read through the Bible, you cannot walk away saying Jesus' intent is for me to call up my parents and say, yep, I hate you. Just wanted you to know that today. Went to church and now I hate you because I'm a follower of Jesus. That is not what he's saying at all to let your siblings know that. Now I know they may frustrate you sometimes, but that's not what Jesus is saying is what he's, he's making a comparison. He's saying, I'm first in your life. That's how you're called to live now. And your love for me so supersedes and so is beyond anything else that, that I am the sole focus of your life. Like I'm the one that you love and I take precedence. Now we are called to respect and honor and love our family members that God has placed around, him, around us. So I don't want you to get the wrong idea, but that's what Jesus is saying is who's number one. And maybe a couple of illustrations of this. About 24 years ago, I met in my New Testament survey class, um, my best friend and my beautiful wife, Sarah. Okay, this is us back in the day, a lot less hair, a lot thinner, okay, um, or, and I was. And so, so we met, we were best friends for a while. Sarah knew before I did that um, God let her know a little bit earlier that we were gonna get married. I didn't know that yet, but we start to date. And our engagement story, like I hear these now of, people doing these helicopter rides, taking photos on top of Dallas buildings, all of that, like mine was so lame, you guys. We're in her house. But I can tell you about that night, and I remember it of starting this conversation with Sarah of what it would mean for us to get married. And something that I had told her so many times, and it's probably not the best pickup line, but I said, you'll never be first in my life. Like, I'm just gonna be honest. Not recommending that for any of the guys in the room, okay? But I just wanted her to know like how I feel like Christ has called me to live, he'll always be first. And I promised her on the day we got married, on that day that I proposed to her, I'm gonna do my best to love, to honor, to respect you, to help you become all that God wants you to be. Like I'm gonna give my life for you, but just so you know my top priority, the top voice that I will always listen to, the top thing that will always lead me is the voice of Jesus in my life. He's my first priority. And I think Sarah, that's the best way I can love you. And whatever possessed her mind, she still said yes. I don't know why. But she still said yes after that point, and we got married. And that's been my desire these past 22 years, getting ready to go on 23 years that we've been married, is, Jesus, I want to love Sarah and honor her, but God, you're first in my life. You're what I'm seeking after, God. You're who I honor. God has blessed our family with eight kids. I think we have a recent family photo. We are missing two of them. Um, Matt and Josiah weren't there that we took that 
um, picture that day. I love my kids, like always want the best for them, but they can tell you there are times where I look at them and say, hey, probably not gonna get rich off dad, you guys. Just honesty moment. Like I'm not gonna give you everything you want or everything you probably even deserve. But can I tell you this, when I'm done with this life, I want you to be able to look at me and say, hey, he reflected Jesus very well. And if I could give you anything, I wanna pass on my love for God in your life. That's the best thing that I can give you. And you guys, I'm not living the American dream where I think my whole purpose is just to make my kids happy and whatever I have to do, whatever I have to sacrifice, just as long as they're content and they're good, then I'm gonna be good. That's not how I'm living. I'm living saying, God, the best thing that I can give them is a reflection of you in my life, Lord, that somehow in a small way, I show them your goodness and your love and your generosity and who you are, God. And that's what I want to be in my kids. That's what Jesus is saying is, who's the priority? What's number one in your life? How have you arranged your life? Is it that you love me more than anyone else? That's what he's asking us to abandon. And that's how he's asking us to walk. They left their possessions. They left behind physical things that they had, money, wealth, all of those things that they had accumulated, they left that behind. They left behind their safety. Have you thought about this? Matthew 10, 16 says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. That's not the pep talk that you want from your coach before you go out on the field, right? Hey, let me tell you what this is going to be like. It's going to be like ferocious animals that want to tear you apart, that want to take you out. That's what I'm getting ready to send you out to. Go get them, you guys. I mean, no one is wanting to hear that. And yet that's what Jesus says. He's like, hey, you're going to have to abandon your safety. Like, I'm not promising you comfort. You want to come follow after me? Like, I'm not saying that this life is going to be easy for you or you're going to have everything you want. This is what I'm calling you to. You live with radical abandonment for his glory. This is what it means. Can I be honest with you? These kinds of messages scare me. Because when Jesus spoke messages like this, there was one day he lost 5,000 people and it went down to 12 because they were like, this is too hard. Like we want the feel good stuff, right? Like you're gonna bless me and prosper me and you got plans for me, Jesus. And um, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, God. And if God is for me, who can be again? Like we want verses that make us feel good and verses like this of, hey, you're gonna have to leave some stuff behind to come after me. This is hard. And people walked away and said, Jesus, who can do this? Like, why are you calling us to this much? We wanted a better life. And he's saying, this is what it means to live for me, to come and follow me, to be my disciple. And so when you look at this, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because I'm not telling anyone in this room, go home and write a resignation letter and say, my pastor told me to quit my job, I'm done. But what if instead you went to your job tomorrow and you laid it down to Jesus and you said, the way that I spend my time the way that I talk to other employees, the way that I talk to customers. Jesus, everything I do, it's yours. I abandon my dreams, my desire for positions, my desire for more stuff. God, I lay it down and you tell me what to do. What if instead of calling up your family and saying, I'm done, that you said, God, my relationship with my husband or my wife or my kids, my brother, my sister, my parents, it's yours, God. I'm not just gonna live to just try to make my kids happy anymore. 
But God, how do I reflect you? I lay those down. I give them to you, Jesus. You tell me what to do. You tell me how to interact with others, God. I'm abandoning my wants and my desires for you, you, God. My possessions, yeah, I'm not just trying to get more stuff. It's all yours. So anything, God, my car, my house, my clothes, like whatever I have, my TV, God, you want any of it, it's already yours. So I lay it down. Now, I'm not telling you, you gotta go do a garage sale and sell everything and give the money to the poor. If God tells you to do that and you get some wisdom for people around you, you need to do that. But for most of us, God's never gonna do that. But what he's wanting to know is, hey, what you have, is it really mine? Or are you holding on to it? Hey, your job, is that really mine? Or do you think that's yours to do alone? Hey, those relationships, are they really yours and I'm kind of off to the side or have you given them to me and surrendered them? That's what it means to live with radical abandonment. There's one other thing. To live with radical abandonment means we do what Jesus did. We do what Jesus did. 1 John 2, 6 says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What did he do? He laid down his life and he sacrificed himself for us. And as I mentioned, this is hard, you guys. This is difficult to hear of, God, this is what you're calling us to, where we die to ourselves, where we take risks in our life to live for his glory and for his kingdom. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. I recently heard this story of a missionary family who was living here in the United States, comfortable income, comfortable lifestyle, beautiful house, and they gave it all up to go to a country in the Middle East that was very militant against Christian believers, were persecuting people in the church, and they moved themselves and their kids over into that environment. And people would ask them, how can you do that? What about the safety of your children? Aren't you afraid of what would happen, the dangers that are there? And they said, we simply started responding, I'm pretty sure we're more in danger of being comfortable and being safe in the American church than taking too many risks. I just think that's where we're at. We're more in danger of just living this comfortable, safe life than really taking risks for Jesus. And so this is what he's called us to. We're gonna follow him. Now, when I stand up here and I preach a difficult message like this and say, hey, this is what you're called to. This is what it means to be a disciple. It's not about just coming to church. It's not about just praying a prayer. This is abandoning your life for his life, living radically. You may be sitting there, man, I don't know if I could do that. Well, let me help you do that. If it was just me asking, you would be like, Aaron, I love you. You're a good pastor, but seriously, come on. That's too hard. If this was just about NCC and that over five years, the church would maybe become more well-known or we would be bigger, we would have more money or any of that, you may say, well, seems good, but come on, that's so difficult but we're not the ones asking, are we? This is Jesus. He's the one inviting you. And why could you do something like this? How could those 12 men give up all of those things and say, Jesus, you're first in my life. And so I'll leave addictions behind and I'll leave sin and I'll leave my dreams and I'll leave what I've accumulated. God, I'll leave all of that and you'll be first in my life. It was because of who asked them. See, this is Jesus. Listen to what he did. He went first. He left the comforts of heaven and said, I'll come and live among you. 
He left all of the riches of everything that he had. And he said, I'll be born as a baby and I'll I'll live kind of this poverty life. For these years, I'll set the example for you. I'll leave my comfort and I'll sacrifice myself. How could you live this kind of lifestyle? It's because of the person that's asking you. He went first, church. And he said, I'll lead the way and I'll set the example and I'll show you how it should be done. All you have to do is follow me. That's what I'm inviting you to. And church, why could we do this? It's because it's for his glory. Not for mine, not for some church, but for Jesus. It's for his glory that you and I, whenever we choose to live like this, that his kingdom is made bigger in this world. That who he is, his love, and him as God is glorified in this world when we choose to live this way. So what are we being invited to? It's radical abandonment for his glory. That's what he's called us into, which means we leave sin behind. We leave dreams and things that we even love, things that we want in our life, and we live as Jesus lives. And so I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm gonna ask if you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to just reflect on this message of what Christ has called us to. Is that how you're living? For some of you, you may have never taken that first step of saying, God, I surrender my life to you. Maybe you're still that first thing of you're holding on to addictions, to pleasure in your life, to things, because you're saying, God, I'm afraid if I actually give it to you, I'm gonna miss out on something. That you're somehow holding out on me, God. And so I wanna do this my own way. And the Bible says we all face that struggle. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory, of the mark, the plan that God has for our life. And the honest thing is we can't fix ourselves. We can't try to be good enough on our own. So we come and we surrender our life to him. And if you're in this room or if you're watching this online and joining us online, I want you to take a moment, reflect in your heart, where is your relationship with Jesus at? Have you surrendered to him, given everything that you are for all that he is? And if not, I wanna invite you to take that step. I can't tell you what the next few years of your life are gonna look like. All I can do is invite you to jump out of the plane and to say, God, I trust you. And if that's you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus or, or maybe you've not really invested in that in the way that you should and you're saying, I feel disconnected from God right now, I wanna pray for you. And I'm gonna lead us in this prayer and I wanna invite you to say this after me. I'm gonna invite everyone right now to say this together out loud. Jesus, I come to you and I realize I need you. I need you to save me from my sin. Forgive me of my mistakes. Give me a brand new start. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. God, I want to live for you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate for those that prayed that prayer? The Bible says this, and I believe it, that God is doing something new inside of you. And I wanna lead us in one more prayer. And this time I'm gonna lead out, but I'm gonna ask you not to just listen to me or 
to kind of sit there and, and just hear my words or repeat after me, but would you have a conversation with God? And if you don't know how to pray, you don't have to say anything special. You don't have to say any formula of words. Just be honest where your heart is at and say, God, I want you in my life. And Lord, help me to live in the way that your word tells me to, God, to abandon what I have, God, and to live for your kingdom. And so I'm gonna lead us, but right where you're at, would you just have a conversation with God and say, Lord, help me to live out what I've heard, God, this morning. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you because you're clear in scripture, God, you invite us to follow you. And the beauty of this is you don't tell us to go do it on our own or we don't have to do it alone, Lord. You call us and you ask us, Lord, to join with you. You led the way. And so my prayer is that we would be a church this week, Lord, as we go into our schools, as we go into the workplace, God, as we're around family that reflect your goodness, God, that reflect your glory, God, that we leave other things behind, maybe even the comfort and the safety that we've been living in, God, and we choose to live in a new way to reflect your glory and your goodness, God. I pray that over each of us, Lord, that as we do that, others lives would be changed. God, we would impact others, God, and we would bring glory to your kingdom. Lord, help us to be that church. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, how do we apply this message? Evaluate and see if there's something that you're holding on to in your life more than you're holding on to Jesus. And if so, Pray and then take steps to abandon that as you pursue Jesus more. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. We want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co.